Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to this week's Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, there are many ways of getting our show. You can download directly from our website at techcentral.ie. Use a smartphone podcast app like Podcast Addict, which is my uh, podcast app du jour. You can also use iTunes, of course, or turn on the radio every Friday on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Later on the show, if you've dabbed with networking at home or at work, check out our interview with someone who likes to network cities or even entire countries. An amazing interview. But first, with a related story, here's Niall Kitson with the big news of the week about the National Broadband Plan. Niall, we're actually getting somewhere with this question mark. Uh, yeah, we kind of are. I mean, uh, yeah, question mark. Now, the, the last time we talked about the National Broadband Plan, as I recall, the um, deadline for bidders was up. Since then, we know that five credible applications were made. Um, consultations started, I think it was in April. And uh, basically, the bidders were told, OK, you're not... You're, you're not rocking our world here. Go back and do your homework. So the five bidders went back, um, revised their proposals, came back to the Department of uh, Communications and said, look, OK, we've, we've talked this through. You've told us what you want in terms of deliverables and how quickly we can uh, roll out the network and the level of service that you want from us. Um, here's what we can do. And out of those five entrants, we're down now to three providers who are all in that sort of into the fiber to the home uh, space. That's the technology they're all looking at. So we've got um, Granahan McCourt and Enet Consortium. That's that's one entry. We have AIR which as the the largest broadband provider in the country uh, makes sense. And we also have CIRO, which is the joint venture between the ESB and Vodafone that is going to use the existing electrical network, which is actually better than AIR's uh, telecoms network, to um, piggyback uh, fibre connections onto to, uh, to get broadband straight into the home. So three very credible bids. I mean, Enet, as you know, they're... Um, probably more famous uh, or you would be more familiar with them for operating the metropolitan area networks out in sort of um, the large towns around the country and rural areas. So they've got a, they've got a footprint in dealing with uh, broadband network management outside the, uh, the cities. Um, and of course, uh, Air and Syro would, would have national um, ambitions anyway. Syro, very interesting strategy in that they, they started off targeting uh, smaller towns and going, look, this is what we can do. We can actually deliver gigabit broadband to uh, premises that are far away from from the uh, from the the hubs, from the main markets in the country. You know, we can do this cost effectively. So these are the three players at the moment. But the goalposts that they're working on have changed in a couple of ways as well. Um, initially, uh, this map was issued and it was effectively dividing the country into two areas. There was blue areas, which are covered already by um, some measure of competition in the market and some ambition on the part of commercial providers to be to be able to deliver that benchmark 30 megabit per second broadband connection uh so the blue bits you can imagine were you know dublin cork uh limerick that sort of thing um and there were there was an awful lot of amber 
uh, in there, which is the second sort of division, which is um, areas that aren't being served uh, either up to that standard or, you know, there's no competition or, or in some cases, no connectivity there at all. So the, the plan is just to get everybody connected up to 30 megabits per second. Um, if, you, if you're in an urban area, you don't need, you, this isn't for you at all. If you're outside of a, a, a market area where even one player has said, yeah, we'll do this, this is in really the, the commercial dead ends of the country. Um, this is this is the this is um, what's being played for, and the contract is worth up to about six hundred million euro. So there are two uh, two ways at which the government was looking to finance this. One was for um, it all comes down to a twenty five year network management contract. The first model we handle we pay you to build out this network, and after twenty five years, it reverts back to the state. Um, Personally, that's the model I would prefer. I think infrastructure should be owned by the state and let um, competitive entities to tender to manage networks for a, a small period of time. And if you're not uh, if you're not up to scratch, you lose the contract. That's it. Um, the other model, that is the one that is actually going to be used, is that the um, selected entity will be given carte blanche. Well, not carte blanche. They they have to provide the minimum thirty megabits per second. But they're told here is your turf. Go build a network after twenty five years. You get to keep it. That's how we keep it off our books. That's how the government makes it look like they have actually in the long run invested you know, nothing in getting, uh, getting this network um, up and served. Well, it can work because that's, that's what National Toll Roads did with the, uh, the bridge over the M50. And that was the deal was that uh, uh, they would build it and they would operate it and, uh, for X amount of time. And then it would go back under the control of the government. And, uh, and, and it's worked fabulously well. For National Toll Roads, it's worked fabulously well. Not for me when I'm paying a couple of euro every time across <laughs> the bridge. But anyway, uh, out, of, out of the three, what's your favourite? I don't. I don't really want to play favorites, but um, because they they all come from kind of different places. Um, Air is the you know their biggest player. You would expect them to be able to deliver this kind of service already. Um, they would they would say you know we're we're already doing broadband via copper. This is a logical next step for us. Um, Cyro, new player to market. When we've covered their idea since as long as the uh, the joint effort was announced. Mm. I think you might have even mentioned it in, in jest a couple of years ago that we already have it. We just... Um, and you were, you were quite right about it. Well, that, that's 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 why I like it. It's it's definitely my favourite, I would say, because it's just the most practical. The wiring is there already. That's mm, the way yeah. I look at it. It's that simple. And I've seen the system in play and it works. So that's that's then, as much as I'm going to say. And, and I really like the way you go. And Air should be like doing it already, <laughs> but they're not. <laughs> because Listen, they want to see if the government will pay them to do it. That's very good. Listen, we shall see uh, what happens with story uh, with that story as the year rolls on. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's TechCentral.ie. Now, let's get you on the inside with some very cool stuff and some very big stuff as well. Never mind working, networking your house or your workplace. Niall Kitts and met a lady called Linda Doyle this week, uh, who is with the Centre for Research into Networking. And some of the things they talked about will blow your mind. 
I've come out to Westland Road today to one of the offices of Trinity College Dublin and I'm meeting with Professor Linda Doyle who is the director of the Connect Centre for um, Networks, I guess. There is a much longer title to it and people are sort of loath to, um, to, to sort of have these things trip off the tongue. So Linda, just to start off, I mean... Connect, the name is immediately evocative, so uh, I'm thinking networks. So tell us a little bit about what you do here. So you're absolutely right, Connect is, uh, we do everything to do with networks. So we talk about where the network, where the Centre for Future Networks and Communications. Um, So in that context, we're interested in what hardware is going to be in future networks, what kind of sensors, what kind of radios, how all that hardware comes together, what uh, kind of architectures and infrastructure are going to build, um, how that's controlled and managed, and what kind of applications and services are going to run on it. So it's an end-to-end perspective on future networks. And from an operational perspective, uh, it sounds like an awful lot for Trinity College to take on on its own shoulders, but as a centre it has a, a much broader population than that. that. That's true. So one of the things about uh, these SFI centres, the whole, the whole purpose of them is to create critical mass in an area so that we can compete internationally so we do that by uh, bringing people together from all sorts of different institutions around Ireland so Connect is one of the most distributed centres there's 10 different uh, HEIs higher education institutes in it Uh, so there's a mix of uh, universities and um, institutes of technology spread right around the country I guess that's uh, quite appropriate, really, given that it's a centre about networks. But um, just just to sort of drill in a little bit to the work that's going on here at the moment, um, you know, when you say that it, it sounds like a fairly broad church when you're talking about um, sort of the hardware uh, and, and indeed software uh, research that's going on here. So immediately when one thinks of networks at the moment, they're thinking, you know, broadband, but they're also thinking new applications like the Internet of Things. So which areas are we seeing expand at the moment. Are there any particular trends we should be looking at? So um, I suppose from our perspective, there's kind of we could kind of bundle it under two broad trends. So um, it is the time of the machine, so the Internet of Things, where everything in the world becomes connected and is networked itself, um, is a huge topic. And you know, if you look at every industry, um, uh, including the industries we engage with, if you look at uh, academic curricula, if you look at research, the Internet of Things is everywhere. So that that's one side of things. And I suppose the second kind of theme I could bundle things under is 5G. So if you're familiar with 5 most people will, will know that we're currently at the 4G, you know, having come out of the 3G generation. And 5G is, is next on, on the horizon. And I suppose one of the major trends there um, when we talk about 5G is it's about the coming together of wireless and fixed networks. Um, and it's about the verticalization, uh, or sorry, it's about the digitization of different verticals. And by that I mean the digitization of health, the digitization of cars, the digitization of cities. Um, and th- they're, I suppose, the two kind of broad, I suppose, themes that we would work under in Connect. I think one of the interesting things about 5G that uh, is emerging in the debate at the moment is what exactly is the standard going to be and, you know, uh, how to get international agreement on something that's going to be so so fundamental to how the world works. So uh, how is that debate going? I mean, I know there are roadmaps saying, you know, we should have a standard in place by 2020, but uh, is is that looking like a a feasible goal or is that a a bit too ambitious at the moment? So I suppose I have quite... um strong views on 5G and where it's going and um, if you look at it there's two ways of looking at it when you talk about standards okay so there's a way of looking at the technologies that are emerging that will underpin 5G so the technologies that make us be able to you know send larger and larger amounts of data serve more and more people connect 
millions of things. Um, but that's only one part of the picture. And as those become, I suppose, hardened uh, and more understood, standards will emerge around those. But for me, 5G actually is much more uh, about doing things in a different way. So um, it, it's about new kinds of business models. It's about recognizing that the current way that mobile operators work and exist uh, is coming to an end and, and, and things are going to be done in a very different way in the future. It's about the kind of born on the internet players uh, emerging in the communication space and not just the telcos. Uh, and, and, and the standards conversation to me is a conversation that comes out of past generations rather than recognizing that you know 5G is about kind of changing the world, I think. I think one of the interesting things, um, just still on the topic of mobile networks, is that really the conversation has changed from um, developing the networks as such to what kind of devices will be running on it. Uh, I um, know sort of following the uh, what was called the 3GSM conference in Barcelona throughout the years, uh, it's now Mobile World Congress, and the focus has moved from looking at networks and, you know, repeaters and boosters and this kind of thing towards, you know, apps and, and smartphones. So uh, I, I guess the, the fundamental of the network now is that it's, it's almost a given, really, isn't it? I suppose that's, I, I think you make a very interesting point there. And in one sense, um, that's where we struggle sometimes in explaining our research. Most people think the network is a given and, and it's an invisible thing that they just kind of take for granted and that there potentially isn't any more research to be done in that. But the reality is, is that it's exactly the smartphones and the new apps and the fact that mil millions of things need to be connected that are driving the need for us to fundamentally rethink a lot of stuff that's happening in the network. And what we say to people, partly in a joking way, but if you turned off the internet for 10 minutes, um, you know, you can imagine what would happen. And so some people might relish that. But, you know, when you think from a business, from an education, from a social perspective, that's a disaster. Uh, so it's a given, but it's a hugely critical infrastructure that's becoming more and more critical in everything we do. And as we make more and more demands of that, there's just, you know, you, you need to kind of rethink how things are done under the bonnet. And uh, I know one of your hobby horses has been um, radio and, and looking at communications, uh, kind of as radio as a continuum, as opposed to just, you know, radio is FM or, or radio is, is um, your mobile network. To which extent do you think um, that understanding is going to permeate that, you know, radio actually has been everything and, and kind of always is going to be? Yeah, so I, I suppose the first comment on that is when engineers use the term radio, you know, your mobile phone is a radio, your television is a radio, so sometimes people automatically think it's, you know, Today FM or something that you're talking about. Um, but the reality, I, how it permeates everything and how it drives everything currently is because there's a finite amount of spectrum in the world. And, and that spectrum uh, is in more and more demand as, as we develop these further applications and, 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 and further need for it. So what that drives us towards is the realization that we have to share and you know yourself like if you're a kid uh, you know little kids when they start off they, they think everything they're doing and they have, to be, they have to learn how to share so that's the same in telecommunications networks traditionally are you know owned and operated and controlled by one entity uh, and we're now moving into um, the sharing economy and that's very very obvious in, in areas like Airbnb or the Dublin bike scheme uh, and it's only a little bit obvious currently in the networks world and it has to become more and more especially when it comes to using uh, spectrum and radio waves they have to be shared there's not enough to go around and that makes for very exciting research challenges in designing architectures and networks that can actually be shared and shared and foster competition at the same time it must uh, throw up a very interesting debate to be had then uh, with the regulator 
because radio space is, is so tightly monitored, as we, as we know from our experience in pirate radio oh, yes. in the 80s even. So when it comes to sort of looking for a experimental white space or anything like that on the spectrum, do you find there are any particular regulatory hurdles you've had to deal with? So there's two sides to that question. So the first side, from a research perspective, no. So Ireland is an absolutely fantastic place to do uh, radio research in. We have a great um, regulatory environment here where you can very easily get spectrum or radio waves to do experiments in. So it's brilliant. Uh, when it comes to changing how things are done, that's totally different. So if you want permanent change, you, you want to engage, uh, you have to engage internationally. Um, radio doesn't know physical boundaries um, and, and, and that's, a, that's a longer process and, and there's lots of challenges there and I think that's part of what Connect is about though it's, it, it's about the deep technology but it's also about recognising the economic and social context in which that technology plays out and wanting to affect change uh, there and not just on the technology side Yeah, well, well I know one of your um, sort of philosophies at the moment is the, the idea of radio without boundaries, um, so could you Tell us a little bit about that. So uh, we, we kind of use the, the phrase radio without uh, boundaries and networks without borders. So I suppose it goes back to that whole um, sharing idea and the idea that things will be different in the future for the kind of mobile operator as we know it. So um, we are interested. So when we think, when you think of a network, so most people in their minds when they think of a network kind of have quite a static image. So, you, you know, if you draw it, you might see points and dotted lines connecting the points or you think of kind of your, your physical base stations and, and, your, and your phones and you think of certain entities owning them. So in the future, the way we look at things, we see things as a pool of resources, that are owned by many different entities. So they're not just owned by a Vodafone or an O2. They could be crowdsourced. Uh, they could be owned by um, Trinity. They could be owned by you. Um, and we see those different resources, whether they're spectrum or base stations or processing resources or storage resources, being harnessed in a much more dynamic fashion uh, in response to a service need. So rather than think, um, I have a network, what can I do in it? You think, I have a service or an application I want. How can that be delivered to me? So it's a different philosophy and it puts a different uh, take on the network and you need to think of things in a different way. So you think of these as commodities. Um, and what we do a lot is we kind of develop the technology that allows them to be accessed in that commoditized way and to be harnessed and to be brought together in response to that need rather than exist um, and you kind of figure out what will I do next. Uh, one of the interesting things about um, sort of working in this field is sort of the partnerships that are being struck up with industry at the moment because seeing as we're putting SIM cards into pretty much everything at the moment, there's a massive commercial potential for anything going on in network research at the moment. So do you find the climate is opening up to the extent that you're seeing an awful lot more in terms of industry collaboration or even companies coming to the centre and going, look, we've got an idea that we want to explore. Have you got anyone working in this area? So I absolutely think there's just a fantastic climate at the moment. So we have 35 industry partners all of those partners are kind of very, very fully engaged with us. The funding model requires that they actually put money on the table and when you actually get industry engaging in that way, they do things that they're really interested in and that really matter to them. Um, and the level of engagement, I, I just find it just really, really exciting. We have industry partners that we work with in kind of more medium term and we have industry partners that we work with on really disruptive ideas. So I, I think that climate in Ireland is just at a really, really brilliant point. And then on top of that, we try as much as possible to operate an open door policy here. So we have we, we do have people knocking on the door all the time saying, how about this idea? How about that idea? 
obviously we have to we can respond when we have the resources to and uh, uh, but we try as much as possible to accommodate that and then I suppose I should add we have newer projects um, uh, that are specifically designed uh, to encourage uh, wider industry to engage and one of those is our, 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 our Internet of Things project called Pervasive Nation. Um, I think one of uh, one thing that particularly struck me about the um, the ethos of the centre is the fact that you're not looking at things purely from an engineering perspective. That you you adopt something of a multidisciplinary approach to something that seems quite dry. So tell us a little bit about the sort of the um, the artistic element, I suppose. All the engineers out there will be upset you called the word dry, but leaving that aside. So um, I think it's really important that. You you bring kind of, I suppose, uh, different points of view to bear when you're designing something. And I think this is especially important in the area, in the era of kind of the Internet of Things. So essentially, the Internet of Things, what you're actually doing, it's not just about designing sensors or it's not just about designing radios or, or networks. And, and what you're actually doing is you're instrumenting your environment um, and you're, you're in that environment is collecting information. And that information is being processed, and decisions are being taken on the basis of that decision, uh, that information. And you often hear the word informed decisions. Um, so, and you hear about big data, and big data is informing these decisions. But the question really is, is what does an what is an informed decision, and who? is informing it and you know who gets to say um, when I for example take pollution measurements around a city who decides that I t- when do I take action so for me it's very important that you get a wider perspective on that and one way that I think that that's really really good is to have people with different viewpoints and in particular people from uh, arts backgrounds and artists so in Connect we're very very lucky uh, we have uh, we have a group uh, within the centre uh, that consists of artists urban designers um, you know there'd be visual and sound artists and people with arts humanities backgrounds and they bring that dimension uh, to what we do um, and what it does uh, it kind of works in two ways um, first of all it it does exactly what I just mentioned there. It gets us to question what we're doing and to understand that better. But also, um, we engage in creative arts practices as a means of research as well. So it's not just something that's sitting over at the side. It's, it's a way of kind of getting answers to questions. Another tool in your box of tools when you do research. So it's, it's almost like a, an ecosystem in itself, really. Uh, not quite, Well, maybe not quite self-sustaining in terms of bouncing ideas off each other, but certainly in terms of looking how the networks sit within projects that you wouldn't ordinarily sort of put the two and two together with. Yeah, that's true. And, and to be honest, I think, I, I think if you, even if you look at industry now, I think more and more they realise that they need that mix. Um, and especially, as I said, because, I mean, you know, networks... I mean, it's very hard to, to, to decide where technology... You know, when I talk about a network, it goes from the things and the radios and the connections to the people. You know, uh, it penetrates uh, society and the economy so much that I think, I think you just can't really separate out things the way we used to be able to do kind of at the start of the journey. So I think, I think a lot of organisations are realising they need that kind of multifaceted view. So with all that in mind then, can you tell us about some of the marquee projects that are going on in Connect at the moment? As, well, I suppose one that's a really good one to mention is Pervasive Nation because uh, Pervasive Nation not alone brings all of us uh, across Connect and the different centres together, it also brings industry throughout Ireland together. So Pervasive Nation is an Internet of Things project. 
it's focused on 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 an int- uh, a networking technology known as low powered wide area LPWA. That's an acronym people will be hearing more and more. So it's a particular network that supports um, any kind of IoT application that uh, uses small messages, um, needs long battery life, um, is kind of bursty, it might be in awkward spots, um, those kind of applications, and, and there's hundreds and thousands of those kind of applications. You know, you might want to control lights in a city, you might want to control traffic lights, you might want to read temperature, you might want to do flood monitoring, you might want to monitor where cows are in a field, those kinds of applications. I think power measurement and monitoring is such an essential part of looking after any network, especially if you want to push it out to the consumer where you can say, okay, look, you can manage your house with an S thermostat or something, but guess what? It could cost you €100 Euro extra for the convenience. Yeah, yeah. So um, this, this network would be something that's outside the home in, in one sense, even though you could be accessing entities in the home. And the whole idea is we would roll out a test network uh, throughout the entire country. Um, and that this tech network is available for everyone and anyone who wants to try out all sorts of different applications. So some of the applications that you mentioned there about monitoring things in your home, uh, the whole idea uh, is exactly, I think you hit the nail on the head there, is how can you do this in a cost-efficient way? And, and, and kind of the attraction uh, of these kind of networks is that they're, that they're lower cost, um, that they're easier to install, um, and that it should be very, very simple. So hopefully we'd be able to prove that that's true and, and that's the whole point of, uh, I always talk about testing the future in Ireland. That's the whole point about like building something that's real, building something that's scalable, building something that industry really want to use rather than just kind of stuck in a, in a lab in the corner uh, and building something that's both an urban and rural space. And, and you can actually say, okay, does this work? Can I run the application I want to do? And can I do it in a cost-effective manner? Do you think Ireland works particularly well as a, as a lab for that kind of thing, then, given, given our size and, and sort of the, the urban-rural uh, divide, you know, geographically speaking, is still very small? I, I think so. I mean, the IDA have a phrase where they talk about us being small enough to test and large enough to prove, and I think that actually hits the nail on the head. Um, we have actually a very challenging environment in Ireland. In fact, Ireland is quite unusual. We have, we have actually a much larger rural percentage here and uh, you know a smaller number of uh, urban populations but again that's exactly what you want in a test network you want to actually stretch things uh, in in the extreme and it is very very difficult to do cost effective uh, solutions for uh, some rural environments so we have an ideal opportunity to test that we also, as I would have mentioned earlier, we also have very good regulatory climate here that allows us to do tests in different frequencies. We also have really supportive agencies. Um, you know, whether you're talking about city councils, Dublin City Council, for example, is fantastic. The smart city support, um, uh, you know, SFI, the IDA, EI, all of these agencies are really, really supportive. So that makes a huge difference um, that you can get things up and running uh, relatively quickly. And that was Niall Kinson talking to Linda Doyle at the Centre for Research into Networking. That's it for our show for this week. Remember, you can get more on uh, all the Irish tech news with hourly updates, daily newsletters and tons of stuff from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly tech radio show online and every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next week, from myself to Rhodes, thank you so much for listening. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com Tech Central.